once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos. This is, wait for it, episode 100. Don't ask me how, but we did it. As always, we remind you to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Also remind you that after this episode, the soccer OG will be the World Cup daily every day throughout the World Cup. Here, where all podcasts are found, also available in a simulcast video form on my YouTube under Max Bretto. So we have you covered. You can't watch everything. I know you can't, but I'm here to help you with that, with all the coverage. We'll have special guests. We will have uh, sophisticated gambling tips along the way as well. It's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. It is going to be your companion during this World Cup in Qatar, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Check it out starting the 19th of this month. So just in like three days. I can't believe it. I better get ready for that. <laughs> now, many of you at home would probably be thinking, this Bredos guy is a true genius. How did he do it? He timed it perfectly so that the 100th episode would fall four days before the start of the World Cup. That's the day I'm recording this. And yeah, you'd be right. Uh, I carried the three, moved the one, and made sure if I did two podcasts here that I could time it out perfectly. This was all a master plan. Well, that's not 100% true. It's just dumb luck. Just fell that way. Maybe the soccer gods were looking over me and uh, gave me a little momentum along the way. But this has been a labor of love, and I use the word labor very loosely because it's it's much more love. I love being on here, communicating with you guys, getting to talk with uh, producing this show on my own, and getting to talk with so many great guests, which has helped me get better with my soccer knowledge. And I've been in this business for the from... So that's why I call myself the soccer OG. But this sport is changing so fast. If you bury your head and don't listen to what's out there, you get left behind. So... This has allowed me to do just that. So thank you for everyone for tuning in. Make sure you tune in for the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. It is episode 100. It's just another episode. I just want to emphasize that. But 100 is a very big number, and we're right before the World Cup, so we have a huge show for you. We are going in the business end with the roundtable conversation. I have said that I've been, uh, when I was with ESPN and I was focusing more on all sports and weren't able to really uber focus on soccer, I, I may have missed a couple things. And now when I come out, I see all these great content creators everywhere that are gaining new fans, that are bringing them in and uh, making this sport as accessible as ever. So joining me in roundtable format, it will be Adam Bells of the Scuff Podcast. Many say the best American soccer podcast out there. Filippo Silva, tactical manager. He's been on here before, as has Adam. And uh, he is uh, breaking new ground on the YouTube forum. And Pete Douthit, who is with 11 Yanks, doing a lot as well, giving you some really unique perspective in this uh, soccer content forum. So we're going to talk World Cup. We're going to talk about creating content. We're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team. And I think you're going to enjoy that. And because of uh, the the size and scope of the business end, which this conversation will fall in. We'll tighten it up a little bit. I'll join you for a very brief stoppage time at the end. But this is me saying, let's get right into the business end, the Roundtable World Cup conversation extravaganza with Filippo, Pete, and Adam. Let's roll. This end here of the soccer OG. I haven't. I've done it. I've gone three wide, which is a NASCAR term, which we always like the cross promotion of sports. We're going four wide here. Uh, really excited for the conversation, and we'll all walk away a little smarter, including myself. So let me do the introductions here quickly. Alphabetical order: first names. It's also the way they appear on my my screen here. Adam Bell's of the Scuff Podcast. Uh, Pete Douthit of Eleven Yanks. I didn't go in alphabetical order there. Sorry, Filippo Silva, tactical manager. I, you know. I, I... I took it personally. <laughs> We're off well, to a terrible last start. Names, then technically he is last. <laughs> I went with first names uh, just because it's easier for my my brain to capture that uh, on the screen. So, uh, well, wonderful to see you guys and. This is, uh, we're, I know we're all overwhelmed. How are we feeling right now, uh, Adam? We, we're, we're, we're here. I mean, we've been talking about this for ages. I find myself excited, but I'm also overwhelmed because I know with all of you, we're going to be busy. 
Uh, and we're heading into this world of the unknown of this this World Cup, which is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen, for better or worse. Yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to go. I'm just anxious to play Wales on Monday. I mean, I'm not going to be playing Wales, but we, yes, know, we are. Watch we're all in the there. U.S. play Wales. I can't wait. I think. Uh, yeah, we were talking about having a a pre-tournament friendly, like a lot of teams are doing that. Um, I'm fine with us not doing that, and I just want to get after it. Just make sure we don't let Bale shoot from 20 yards, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, the LAFC guys, uh, and uh, Pete, I know you've covered, uh, been covering LAFC. They got Gareth Bale going, but uh, it's uh, uh, it's we all know, in addition to being excited, this is a long haul, and we've had a World Cup with uh, all these games uh, back-to-back, four games a day. And you're on the West Coast with me, buddy. Yeah. 2 a.m. Pacific time. FIFA oh, hates man. us. FIFA hates us. FIFA hates us, does, as does the Premier League. Yes. We have it. The, we have it the toughest for sure. These East Coasters here, are like, oh, I have to get up at eight a.m. I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> Philippa taking a breath to, uh, and of course, I'll encourage you guys uh, to go back and forth as we move on the conversation. But Filippo, taking a breath because we were, I, I know I woke up this week on Monday and I was like, okay, there's no games for a bit. And it was nice, even though it's just a week. But prior to that, it was insanity with games, rosters, everything. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it was a bit of a weird World Cup this time around, right? In the past, we have all that buildup that the club soccer ends and we just get ready for the World Cup. This time, it didn't really start to feel like a World Cup till, I guess, this week, right? And I I speak on that on, I follow soccer closely here in the US and back in Brazil, even back in Brazil, it didn't really feel like a World Cup vibe until now. But we're back in the World Cup. And unfortunately, Adam is not starting for against Wales he confirmed it just now that it's not happening we thought it would uh hopefully Roldan doesn't either but besides that we're ready to go and I think we're going to beat well I'm not I'm really not that worried about Bale as much as everyone is talking about him and you've been following with LAFC yourself uh, I understand he puts that jersey on he looks like a different player but I don't know this is just not the Wales side from 2016 anymore it's uh, it's not that he it's not that he looks like a different player for Wales because he does he looks like crap for like maybe say he plays 90 minutes he looks like nothing for 75 minutes but he does like two things that are unbelievable and wins them the game you know that's what I'm worried about the the problem is if you lose attention with him right if, if our team thinks that he's just the gareth bale that's not performing as well as he should have in major league soccer for a minute or two you give him time and space right he will punish you because once upon a time gareth bale was a world-class player not that long ago not that- no a couple of years a couple of years, <laughs> a couple of years he was scoring a bicycle kick in the, yeah. the champions league final not so long ago yeah i'm honestly more worried about brennan johnson than gareth bale. he's good because if you good. watched all of the Wales Nations League games, which I did, about six of them, he always looked like their most dangerous player. And he's been playing well in the Premier League, too. So I'm a lot more worried about Brennan Johnson than Gareth Bale, honestly. Yeah, what about and- their basketball player center forward? More six foot seven, whatever he is. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I was like... Uh, I'll just- tell you who I'm not worried about is Dan James. Yeah, but he I would have been two months ago. And now it's like, and he's such a big part of... I know that we. This is interesting uh, about Wales because we are assuming they they'll counterattack. They they'll let you have the ball, and some people feel like maybe they won't. Maybe they'll see the U.S. and say, you know, we we're gonna get our hands on it a bit. But in the former situation of that, where they can get Bales and James running, that was like the scary part to me. But it's it's off the boil, at least a little bit for me. Yeah, they get in transition pretty fast, whether that's with James or Bale or Johnson. And I agree, I agree with you, Pete. Johnson is Johnson looks like they're like a, you know, he's a guy who makes stuff happen. He can beat a couple people on the dribble and then and then be dangerous in the final third. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think they probably will sit back for the most part. The good I news they always play. They're sorry, a fight God. and win team, right? Uh, so, sorry, Max. They're 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 more of like a fight and win team. That's what they're gonna go for. They're gonna go for one ball in each game, and I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to go towards the Sounders. Right there. You totally meant to go towards the Sounders. <laughs> no, no, no. I really haven't. I really haven't. I, I talked to this like Pete knows. I talk like this about teams that grind it out. They're a fight and win team. Nothing to okay. do with the Sounders, but especially because the Sounders are not really a a grind a grind team, right? Major. Well, they they kind of suck this year, but that's a different. Well, they won the CCL, but they're more just going to try to grind out results and they got out of their group stage in the euros right uh 
in the 2021 edition, if I'm not mistaken, when many people were hyping Turkey at the time. So they're tricky. And I think that's the crucial game for the United States. We draw, we live to fight another day. If we lose, I hate to break it to USMNT fans. We're in big trouble if we lose that game. If we win, it's a major step to the next round, a very big one. We're likely going to make it. I was on the... Yeah, go ahead. I was on the gambling websites. It's as even as it can get that game. It's as even from all the money coming in. I was like, I looked at everything. I was like, oh my God, USA, Wales. So I put all my money in the United States. I think they're going to sit more of a mid-block the way that Japan and Saudi Arabia did to us, where they don't press us our back line. They let our back line have the ball and they focus on choking out the midfield, closing down passing lanes in midfield, basically trying to deny service to Pulisic and Reyna in those wide areas. I think that's how they're going to sit uh, in a nice little 3-5-2 or 3-4-3, depending what Rob Page does. So either way, I think it's going to be tough. I think we're going to have more of the ball in that game. And I think Wales is going to be focused on denying us. Decent money on no goals in that game. So maybe that's something, uh, a stronger bet where you can make it. Not that I'm a betting man, but I, someone told me to immerse myself in it, which I am because, you know, these gamblers have known so much about this, that there's some truth to it. Obviously a lot of truth to it. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot here a little bit, but we've mentioned some of the Wales game. And again, Pete, it's great because that's 11 a.m. Pacific time for us. And by the way, the 11 a.m. games are pretty good. Yeah, They sorted us out. So in that sense, but all the U.S. games are at 11, right? Yeah. What are you guys Uh, complaining about? No, no. Well, it's the other games we want to watch. And we're all we're all getting up for that, Adam. I mean, we're (laughs) I've already prepped my wife here uh, (laughs) about you're going to hear noises at three and so forth. And then I'm planning a mini nap between four and five, and then we'll see where it goes. But uh, it's, uh, and try not to, Adam, trying to stay off any adult beverages during that. Cause I know I won't get up if uh, for those uh, sexy 2 a.m. Pacific time games, if I do. So big what about coffee, what about coffee, coffee? Yes. I'll take some soups that I saw Adam drinking and um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Lots of fluids. Lots of yeah, I kicked my girlfriend out of the house for these three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not a full month. I mean, they, they, we, we packed a punch in there. Uh, we, we talked about our whales, but I, well, I'm going a little out of uh, chronological order here with some topics. But obviously, this is on our mind because not only it's the first opponent for the U.S., but it's here. It's Monday, Monday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, moving on from the roster, how do we see this U.S. team play? Because I'll just say this, and I've heard some other folks uh, mention it, the selections by Greg Berhalter with Matt Turner maybe suggest it's going to be a little different from a goalkeeper's perspective playing out of the back. They're not 100% sure. It's just something that made you, with the the omission of Zach Steffen, the inclusion of Haji Wright, um, obviously um, some other players not making it in there and – you look at this roster, is there any inkling to think that Greg Berhalter may pivot in some things that he wants to do against this Wales game, maybe go a different direction because the, the, the starting 11 and I, we, it'd be easy to predict. I should say also with Weston McKinney dealing with some injuries, getting in there and being a starter, or is it someone else like a Brendan Aronson or Gio Reyna? Do we see something from Greg Berhalter, in these roster selections or maybe in the week that there is a bit of a curveball to use a baseball term in the way they're approaching this Wales game or these group stage games. Wants to go first. <laughs> you go, Filippo. Right, yeah, Filippo, right, you're right. on. So I think we're not going to see any drastic changes. I think it's safe to say that. We could see a couple tweaks here and there. Maybe since it's a game we're more expected to hold in possession, maybe we'll see Tim Ream start next to, to Walker Zimmerman. I think he sort of hinted that a little bit. That could be a possibility A actual ball playing defender, right? Tim Ream, sorry, not Tim Ream, Aaron Long and Zimmerman are not the best on the ball. Uh, Tim Ream is his main strength is distribution by far. That's something we could see change outside of that. I mean, is Brendan starting over Weston because of a fitness issue, a pivot? I don't think so. He already tested Brendan right at the eight. I believe it was against Morocco. And I think against El Salvador, he played a little bit there. So that wouldn't be, besides that, on the right wing, it's probably going to be Gio Reyna or Tim Weah. Left wing, probably Christian Pulisic. Musa will probably start. Tyler will start. Uh, Walker's a lock. Uh, Dest, as long as he's healthy, right? Because apparently he's training uh, separate from the group. You don't want to hear that. He'll probably, 
You didn't hear that? No, I said you don't want to hear that when they say that. Yeah. It's like, all right. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know if Des will be fully fit for the first game. Uh, A-Rob will be on. So I don't see many changes happening. And then the center forward, it's probably between Jesus or Sargent right now, right? Greg sort of hinted out that Sargent could see more minutes against the, the UK teams because he's used to the opponents. Uh, and Jesus is clearly his favorite right now. And, and Haji, that one caught, I think, everyone out of surprise. We weren't really expecting. So I'm not expecting any big pivot from Greg. It's going to be his 4-3-3 possession-based. Uh, maybe if you ask me about the England game, we could see something different. I can see that, maybe a back three. But for Wales, I think it's going to be what, it, what we've seen for the most part. Uh, fingers crossed that we look better than September. And I wouldn't say uh, Haji Wright is a pivot, but I mean, I should say that Tim Ream is a pivot, but that's something. I mean, that's for a guy who's kind of trotted out a, a similar lineup and I'll, I'll hand it off to you, Pete. It's a similar lineup. That is something I think would suggest that he's seen uh, an alternative, maybe a better alternative. Yeah, I think so. I think if you asked me a month ago, I would have said Greg ain't changing. Like everything's pretty predictable with him. But then this World Cup roster drops. There's no Zach Steffen, big surprise. Tim Ream called up for the first time in a year, big surprise. No Ricardo Pepe, another big surprise. Honestly, no Paul Ariola was a big surprise. So, you know, Greg made these comments after the Saudi game where he said, we, we, we saw some things that we need to change. And then they asked him what things, and he went, things. Now, I hope that things means... Aaron Long shouldn't be starting for us. I hope that's what that meant. Cause then, you know, he has talked up Tim Ream tactically. I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot different from Greg. Um, I would love to see if Weston McKenney isn't fit for this game. I'd love to see Gio Reyna get a start at the 10 uh, or at the, the dual eight. Pete, you, you know, know that's not happening, but, but that wouldn't be a dual eight. It, it would be more ta- a little tactical shift. It has to be right. Yeah, maybe. We've never seen Greg do that with Reyna, so I'm not optimistic. I think more likely than not, if Weston can't go, it's going to be Brendan. He likes Uh, horses. Filippo reigning on parades here. (laughs) He also listed Brendan as a midfielder, so there's that. But, I mean, it is what it is. I'd be happy to see Brendan there, too, because apart from his work rate, he offers more creativity in the final third than Weston's a good finisher, and he's good at arriving late to score, but he's not a creator. And to be fair, I don't think Brendan Aronson is a pure creator either, but he has, and you've seen moments with Leeds this season where he does make those slip passes in behind, can chip the ball over the top, can find those little pockets of space, and then it's just a maniac in the press. I'd prefer Wea on the right with, with Reyna in the middle, but I don't think we're going to see that. There's just no evidence from Greg that he's ever going to play Reyna there. Yeah, the classification of Aronson as a midfielder was interesting. It may be a hint. Maybe it's to throw us off. But I was, I thought that was interesting. He could have done that with Gio Reyna. He certainly did that with Brendan Aronson and Adam. It seems like we're kind of in the middle there. Obviously not going to be a big shift, but maybe there's some tinkering, which gives some people some, some comfort, I would imagine, heading in here because you want to play to not just the guys that are maybe better talents, but the hot hands. And he talked about it. I, I heard an interview with Greg saying, he, he was glowing. Oh, Haji Wright. I'm not saying Haji Wright will play. He goes, Haji Wright's the second leading scorer in the Turkish Super League. Go, All right, well. And I imagine that applies for Sargent. Obviously, he said something similar to Tim Ream. But uh, I wouldn't have expected that in September. But now here this close to the World Cup, I feel these guys play a part, small or big. I mean – if we're gonna if we're gonna break down Wales, we need to be able to play the ball in into the you know amoeba, the in between the lines, and then play it and have somebody be able to find a pass either for somebody in behind or like you know we have to be able to play defeat in the middle. And I know it's not gonna happen. I mean, at least I I think I agree with you guys that it's not gonna happen. But Rain is the guy to play it to in that position. Like he could receive the ball in traffic, hold somebody off, and do something cool. And um. I, you know, I kind of am still holding out a little bit of hope that we might see that way at right wing Reina in, in the middle. If, if Wes isn't healthy or maybe even if he is healthy, I mean, I could see it going a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's the, the way like long shot wrinkle we could see, but I generally agree with what everybody else has said. It's probably going to be the Musa McKenney Adams midfield and then, or maybe Aronson, and he's done better job of riding challenges, I think, and like handling the physicality of people on his back over the last few weeks than I think he maybe did right at the beginning of the season for Leeds. 
So I, I'm not totally against that, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be the probably isn't going to be major wrinkles. I mean, if Burhalter has watched a bunch of, well, he surely he has watched a bunch of whales, but if in watching a bunch of whales, he has decided we, we definitely need somebody good in the middle of the field to receive the ball in traffic and help us break down this low block. Um, then maybe we see Rana there. Berhalter, more like, more likely Aaronson. Yeah. Berhalter, uh, a whales watcher, just like we all should be a whales watcher here or Max. a whale. Yes, sir. Filippo. No, I was just going to add to if, if Greg believes that whales will play a low block or even like Pete said, a mid block, just try to congest the middle right there. Uh, you need a guy like Reyna that can pull a magic trick out of the hat out of nowhere, right? If you go against a low block, a defensive team, and you pick the MMA midfield, it's going to be freaking hard to score, right? It seems like the MMA midfield might be the perfect team to face England, which I'm assuming against England, we're going to have to play in transition. I, I'm a, England, when it comes to talent, I don't think any team in this group matches England. Uh, the same way I think the United States, in terms of talent, is the number two of this group, and we should expect to get out of this group. That should be the expectation. We've gotten out of groups in the past where we were not the second most talented team, and we've still gotten out. But if we're going to play against a low block, if Greg is convinced we're going to play against a defensive-minded whale side, which I think all of us here somewhat agree that that's probably what we're going to see, they could change it, and I don't know, Rob Page could make a 180 and then trick us. We'll know really quickly if we see that. Yeah, yeah, we'll know quickly. We'll see it right away. If they're going to be defensive, the MMA midfield is not the way to go, especially with a half-fit Weston. Now against England, in transition, probably the MMA midfield is the best we got. So it's all about what Greg it, – it, it's sort of what Adam said there. It depends on what Greg saw on Wales and what he thinks Wales is going to do against us. The good thing is – we actually have depth in that position, right? The two eights and the wingers. We have six players that are extremely talented that can play there. That is Wea, Aronson, Pulisic, McKinney, Musa, and uh, did I say Reina? I think so. Yeah, all six of them. Uh, my brain fog right here. So <laughs> two of them will have to come off the bench. It's about Greg selecting how he wants the team to play. And it, it honestly, it, what's going to dictate that is how he thinks Wales will set up. Don't forget Acosta. He loves playing Acosta at the eight. Yeah, that's soccer terrorism. That would be. Hey, get a good set piece. That would be a curveball. Get a good set piece in there. He scored in the MLS Cup. And the the Gareth Bale familiarity. (laughs) It's an angle, man. LAFC bias coming out here. Use use everything in your toolkit. (laughs) Max, conflict of interest here. We can't have you talk about Bale and Acosta. I know. LAFC, we can't talk about him. I'm going to excuse myself. Acosta will be very useful if we're defending a lead in the last 20 minutes, I think. If you put him on the field and have him sit next to Adams and help protect that back line, that's how I would like to see Acosta used at this World Cup. But just to add on quickly to something Tack said, in the past, we've gotten out of groups with less talent and even tougher groups like 2014, that Portugal-Germany-Ghana group was, yeah. in that, you know, the fact that we got out of that at all is kind of amazing. But in every World Cup that the U.S. has been in, We've always been a defensive, compact team that's going to grind it out and then try to hit you in transition or or win a set piece, right? Mm -hmm. For the first time, in my memory at least, we're going to go to a World Cup and it seems like we're going to try to play and outplay teams. And That's a big headline, Pete. That's a a pretty significant uh, departure for this team. It is. And we definitely have more players now that can play that way. So I understand why we're trying to do it. Right. It makes sense. We didn't have the players to do that before. Now, in many positions, we do. But one of the toughest balancing acts in soccer is to break down a team while also not getting hit in transition. And even big teams with major superstars and talented players across their depth sometimes struggle with that. Right. So if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. That's the thing. It's like, if you want to go all out and attack, A, you have to have the players for it. B, you have to find the, a really good balance between pragmatism and, and ideology. Because if you're just all out attack, if you've got Dest and Robinson high up the field, you've got McKenney, you know, the wingers inside, McKenney and Musa pushing up, and then you lose the ball, you can get exposed very, very fast. And that, I guess, is one of my bigger concerns about I'm happy that we're trying to play this way. It's that's a lot not of, an easy thing to do. That's a lot of players thrusting forward into the attacking, the attacking end. Let me let's go big picture a little bit because I know we're all 
uber focused on Wales as we should be, but looking at the three games, because they're going to come in thick and fast. And I know, Filippo, you, you touched on something about you know the styles of these, these teams, and we expect, uh, as Pete mentioned, a lower block here for Wales and Iran and the Carlos Quiros addition. To me, um, kind of shows he's not going to go against the grain. We know that and how he's going to play, which could be just disappoint me a little bit because I think Iran are capable. Uh, they do have some attacking, some sexier attacking players that could uh, complicate things for the U.S. I don't know if they'll use them that much, but the big picture going not to get my crisscross thoughts with England, they want to play and they're going to face an USA team. That's going to want to play. That's going to be a, just a visually pleasing matchup. So I, I wonder how the English will react Adam, because when they had a game like that, to a lesser degree in those friendlies with Morocco, Uruguay, not really, but Morocco, they, uh, when you played against non-CONCACAF teams where you could play a little bit, the U.S. looked okay. So uh, I, this is England. It's a different kettle of fish. But looking in the group stages with Wales and England and the different styles from each game, what kind of sticks out about how the U.S. could, should advance? Find I th- a way. Well, well, I don't know if this is exactly your question, but I think the, the England game in a lot of ways is the easiest one for us to approach because they are going to come out and try to possess the ball. And we can go, we can come at them with the MMA midfield. We don't have the expectation that we are, you know, going to win or should win over England. So we're going to play freer. We can, we can sort of, Berhalter can use sort of the, I think a bit of a pragmatic blueprint that he got from the Mexico game, the, the, the home Mexico win in qualifying, where we just sort of relied on that midfield. We created moments where they could win battle, win individual battles, and we sprang into attack. And, you know, it kind of worked. I mean, we won kind of worked and i think it, it's a it's a formula that could that could be successful against england too so we say stout at the back no mistakes i mean those transition moments are terrifying for me too <laughs> against wales i think that a similar thing will be will be happening against england too so we have to be i don't mean that uh, the whole game will play out similarly i just think our back line is going to be asked to defend in transition sometimes and um but i do think the england game you know especially if we can beat wales we go into the England game and just have like sort of, you know, house money. Let's go, let's go beat England. And that feels like perfect, a sort of perfect situation for us. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I just think the England game will be uh, less complicated, less tricky than the other two because of that. Two wins in two games. According to Adam, I'm, I'm putting you down in my bracket here, Adam. It's a nine point window, baby. <laughs> Our first nine point window ever <laughs> comes in the world cup. <laughs> Can you imagine we get back here and like, they got nine points. No one saw this coming except for Adam. But no one yep. saw it. Yep. Uh, you heard it here first. You heard it here Max, first. If we, Senegal beat Wales in England, if, we beat, if we beat Wales in England, I mean, the nine-point window is pretty possible, right? Then I, it's Iran. I, I laugh, but I, I'm not, not going to be lying to you. I mean, it's obviously the, the eternal optimist in my head. I go, it wouldn't be the strangest thing to happen in the World Cup. It no, would be strange, but it, it, it when would you be look crazy, individually, it, it's not impossible. Yeah. Walk me off my uh, star here, Pete. That's lunacy talk, right? Nine. <laughs> I think there's something about Americans, like with it, when it comes just in general with Americans, we're very optimistic people, right? We have this sense of belief that anything can happen. And that's true in business, in sport, in you know, so many different ways. Because when you talk like to other teams, like I was talking to a Danish fan the other day who way more talented than we are right now. And I said, what do you think about your chances in the world? Extremely pessimistic. Yeah, we don't have very much. You know, it's a hard group. France is there. We don't play well. Just like, and I was like, dude, you're a really good team. Like you almost got to a Euro finals. Like, but it's, I think this American sense of belief that we can do anything and that anything is possible given the right circumstances and I'll just say this, for the first time, maybe in the Burhalter era, we've got Weya, Reyna, Pulisic, McKenney, Musa, Adams, Dest, Robinson, all fit and healthy at the same time. Like, that's kind of unheard of. And I almost don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it, but we've never had that. And Josh Sargent is scoring goals. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, yeah, health is incredible. I mean, obviously the defense center back issue, notwithstanding, because can you imagine this team with Miles Robinson and Chris Richards? And this would be getting international headlines, a team of this many uh, talented young players, the youngest team at the World Cup. That's a storyline that will be shared throughout. Maybe it still is. 
but I don't know. But for, not, we don't need nine points, Philippe. I'll take four, and I think that will do it. You know, maybe it gets a little wild and woolly. Three Next. points, does it? I'll take three points, whatever gets us through. I'll get. I'll take one point. No, we're not getting through one point. But, <laughs> but by the way, do we see a lot of goals uh, in this group? I don't know. I mean, because as we no. there's no. if we do, there'd be so. some. Look, Max, I don't see a lot of goals. Look, England. We saw in Nations League they struggle to score right in open play. Besides Germany, they didn't score in anyone else in open play, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Iran, go back to 2018 World Cup, which is where we have more data on Carlos Queiroz. They should have scored no goals in that World Cup. They scored like a yeah two, and it was like a PK in the 95th, and they they almost got through. Yeah, and they almost got through. So they're not going to be a big goal scoring threat. Asmund is also not 100. percent So it's mainly on Taremi, and I guess they need to supply service to him as well. Uh, And then the United States itself. uh, I don't think we're a high volume scoring team against quality opposite. At least we haven't proven to be so far, right? Uh, it's probably going to be a grind, each result. Now, adding to what Pete was saying, it's quite interesting because we do talk about how a lot of the USMNT fan base seems to be negative about the team at times. But I was talking to Pete the other day when Brazil's roster came out. He called me asking what I thought about it. And Pete, you remember what I told you? Yeah, you were like, people are really unhappy about it. Yeah, people. Am I allowed to even curse here, Max, or no? Is sure. It censored? You're not sure. Uh, the comments were in Brazil. Not not everyone. Is it, right is it in Portuguese cursing? Is it? Or... I can. <laughs> they they said the roster was um bando de merda. So <laughs> that yeah, the so, merda translates very well. <laughs> yeah, they they were calling the roster shit. A lot of people, and and then I I looked at the Same. roster. And I was like, I was like, what 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 is wrong with it? It it looks as good as it can get. Maybe one player or another, maybe Bobby Firmino could have come in, but what difference does it make with the players you have? And then you look at that, but then when you talk to U.S. men's national team fans, part of the pessimism that we see is over-exaggerated. I talked about this also with Mexico. I do think part of their pessimism is a little bit exaggerated as well. Uh, But I, I don't see why anyone can why, why can't we believe we're going to get out of this group? I don't see a reason to not believe that, uh, regardless of what we think of Greg Berhalter, which I think that's a part that 70 to 80 percent of the fan base doesn't really like the guy. But even with him, I, it's not like we had these master class coaches in the past and we got now we had a Klinsman and we got out of the group. Right. Even Bruce Arena, other guys that we've had in the past. And we've gotten out. So yeah. it's an American formula, Filippo. It works. <laughs> Tried and tested. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. I, I, I'm still going to remain optimistic in terms of us getting out of the group. After that, it's a one-leg knockout rounds. Crazy things can happen. We could have knocked out Germany in 2002 if it wasn't for that, that rigged game that they had to cheat for Germany to go through in the World Cup. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's reason to eliminate the United States until we're actually eliminated from the World Cup. Until then, I guess we just continue to believe that we can go through. Now, about England that I wanted to add on to everything that Adam said, what he said is true. Out of the three opponents we have, England is the one that is easier to prepare. We know how they're going to set up. Most We know most of the starting 11 they're going to put out. Gareth Southgate, aka Greg Berhalter's mentor, he's a uh, he's not going to change the way he's going to play too it's probably going to be that back three two wing backs providing with the two uh three four three that he loves to play we need to we need to watch out for a few things like when harry kane drops we can't let our two one of our center backs get pulled in by harry kane adams has to step in we need to be smart about that game and understand that we are the lesser team and exploit their weak because they actually have weakness and that's the left side of their defense they're not going to play ben chillo he's out Reese James is also out, so they they might go Trippier on the right instead of Trent Arnold, I'm assuming. And on the left, you have Luke Shaw. I don't know if any of you are Man United fans. I'm a Man United fan. The recovery speed of that guy, it's almost as bad as my retired uncle that drinks beer over every weekend. So Luke Shaw has no recovery speed. And the guy covering him, anyone know who it is? Uh, as a left. Yeah. Harry Maguire. Yeah. Harry Maguire. Yeah. It's Harry Maguire. So, so there's that's the spot to go. The, to exploit that's where you exploit, exploit for that. but Brilliant. you need to defend you need to defend because they have too much quality up top you have Kane uh Phil Foden Sterling that for the national team plays better even though he's in poor form for Chelsea uh Grealish off the bench Marcus Rashford uh Jaden Sancho was left out of the, the the roster there but 
overall, as long as we can remain compact in our back line, be narrow down the field too, right? When you're in a defensive shape, narrow it down, make it small for England, maybe stretch that field when we are in possession because Harry Kane, uh, sorry, not Harry Kane. That's the good Harry, Harry Maguire, the bad Harry. Uh, he steps out of his lane quite a bit and he leaves a massive hole behind him. And usually no one's offside because the back line's still there. Right. So as long as we can exploit that and he will start, according to Southgate, that is confirmed. Harry Maguire, as long as he's healthy. Uh, and this is in a poor form, Harry Maguire, with Luke Shaw ahead of him. I think it's possible to exploit that as long as we can protect our defense there. And and I think Tyler Adams might be the most important player of that game. It's that's tremendous because he's uh, he's fit the bill and we all get all blown away by how he's been doing at Leeds against very, very good competition, especially down the stretch with all these big name clubs. And he has been unflappable. So uh, we look at this group stage and Adam, we see opportunity. Uh, and <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, but I thought that was really interesting. What Filippo said is people have been pretty pessimistic coming in. But once you see it and you you start seeing what other people are saying, maybe outside of our U.S. soccer bubble, that this is a team to be reckoned with there. There's certainly some opportunity to, to believe that they could get something out of all three of these games. If they do that, they're going to go through. And when we look at Group A, I'm going way ahead of myself, but we have a limited time. I know but look at Group A. That's the group you want to meet up in the round of 16. You're going to avoid Argentina or Brazil. And if you face Argentina, I'm getting way ahead of myself. If you face Argentina or Brazil, maybe someone knocks them out. I don't know. But I mean, just that path of four games, it's very agreeable uh, matchup wise. And certainly with the positives that the U S are, uh, are feeling at this very stage, I got to get off this, 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 this perch because I'm going well, to ruin this U S team. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the, the thing about the American optimism is like, it, I, I, I sort of, I sort of rue, I'm sort of rueful about it just the way Pete is like, it's not earned. We, we, a lot of the times we've got lucky to get out of the groups in the past, you know, that you go back and watch that 2010 England game. Robert Green just gave us a point in there. If we didn't do that, we don't go through, you know, we get a last second goal against Algeria. I mean, you got to win close games, but also we never, I, I don't think we've ever convincingly like gotten out of the group. Um, I guess 2002, maybe. So, you know, it's, a little it, bit. Could, it could go well. I think we can get something from each of these games. It can also go very poorly. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like either pessimistic or optimistic necessarily. I mean, I, mean, I want to be optimistic. I'm a fan, but um, we could get zero points in these three games. Like if we play the way we did again in September, I don't think we will, but if we did, we're getting zero points and we've set the sport back in our country for Ugh, that'd be a brutal. while. So, I mean, the whole range of possibility is, is in play, I think. There's, yeah, that's such a responsibility for these guys because of what happened to 2026. We all benefit from a successful World Cup and this sport, which we've wanted to pick up. And I want to ask you that before I let you guys go in a little bit, um, is made much easier. You gain fans. We've always known that the World Cup is the stage where you gain fans. It's up to uh, us to keep them there. And that is, we have some good... It's up to you, Max. Are it's mostly up it's to now, you. Well, I'll tell you what it's really well up to, and I think we've seen the phenomenon, is the players in Europe, which is growing and growing, and that's easy to sell. Hey, watch Chelsea, watch Dortmund, watch whomever is next, and it's someone's next is going to come. This has been an incredible conveyor belt, and it's still pumping out, and I think we probably all agree the best is uh, yet to come once they figure out scouting and not leaving anyone uh, fall through the cracks talent wise. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting with that. Um, I did want to ask about the world cup. What are your expectations for how it is going to look? And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of folks that have been going or are there and they say, look, this is, you know, Qatar for all the flaws are going to try and put something spectacular with these stadiums. It's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I mean, I've been watching some of the footage. Everyone's got these big jackets on it looks freezing in Qatar in these trainings. So uh, it's, it's going to be, it's maybe the coldest world cup, which is uh, incredibly ironic after everything we've gone through. And now you have these fast tracks. They're saying the stadiums it's in Qatar. No one has to travel. How does that manifest itself? And I, I tend to think it's going to be wild and woolly, but when I did a prediction on I unfortunately 
had a lot of European teams, which I don't want to put through. I want to, I want to see, this is a great one for the Asian teams, the Middle Eastern teams, even of which there are three that could, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any of them going through. I wish I did. And then the African teams, which is that one that's about to explode. I, I have Senegal, the Saudi Omani issue is not great, but result wise, I think it's uh Pete, I'll start with you result wise. I, I, I tend to think it could be crazy, but maybe the, because of the way the tournament is short term and guys being fit where they can probably take their foot off the gas after the world cup guys uh, that play for these top European clubs. I hate to say that maybe they don't uh, Argentina, Brazil, they have all these European based players. I think they'll be counted as well. But I, I, after long thinking, I imagine it might still look like the heavy hitters in the end and Europe, South, the top two South American teams well represented. Hopefully, I, I, I will say, I think it's going to be a good one for CONCACAF. I, for the same reasons we said the U.S., I think Mexico, it's, that, that group is earmarked for them to have success, especially with their history. But um, I think, you know, maybe Canada too. That could be the surprise, I would, I, I would say. Yeah, I think it's close for all the CONCACAF teams. I think I'd feel a lot better about Mexico's chances if Raul Jimenez and Tecatito were healthy. But because they're not, I just look at the drop-off to Funes Mori and, you know, Alvarado or Antuna, whoever they're going to start on the right. I'm not convinced. Their midfield is aging outside of Edson Alvarez. Like, Guardado and Herrera have carried that team for the last 10 years. Um, and they just don't look like it anymore, particularly Herrera. You know, they have still have Hector Moreno at 35 starting in defense. Ochoa is not the same guy he used to be. They can get out of that group. But this Mexico team is a little short on talent, in my opinion. And I know that might sound rich coming from an, an, a U.S. fan, but I try to be, and I want Mexico to do well. Like when we're rivals with Mexico, obviously that's it. But I have a lot of friends from Mexico and it's such a beautiful country and their soccer culture and their country really is so interlinked with ours. I, there's a part of me that wants to see them do well. But looking at that roster, I don't know. Canada, I, I, I honestly have no idea. John Herdman's very flexible and you know, has shown in the past that he knows how to set up a team to combat a certain type of opponent. But I just wonder if with the quality in that group, that might be a step too far for Canada. Um, I think it's just as possible they could get out of their group and it's just as possible they could finish fourth. I just don't know. Like we have no data on Canada at a World Cup. Um, but definitely they have some, the talent there, five or six guys that are amazing players for sure. Pete, something that will shock you or something that will be different about this World Cup that uh, you would feel confident predicting or something that is result wise that may, may be altered. And I, and I don't want to put it on the spot. Cause it's, I, I don't know. We have to see this thing unfurl. We really yeah. do. It's hard to say. I think teams that are really tight units will do well. And I think some superstar teams that have personnel issues might struggle. I think huh. France might, might have a bit of a, I think they'll get out of their group, but I don't think France is going to be anywhere near title contenders in this World Cup. I just I don't know if Mbappe is really a great leader for that team right now. And they're missing some key midfield pieces as well, which sounds nuts to say because it's France. But I feel like France is always either world champions or like a disaster. <laughs> they just go back That's and forth. Um, so maybe like France, Portugal, I'm very curious to see what happens now. You know, there's some clips coming out of the dressing room with Ronaldo and Fernandez and Concelo, but I don't know those things. You also, they could be taken out of context. It'd be yeah. interesting to see what, what Ronaldo does with Portugal. If he's, if we tack and I yeah. talked about this on the tactical Yanks podcast, if Ronaldo embraces the role of like a super sub, who's there to help the team, uh, or if he wants to make it all about him, I think Portugal could struggle. Filippo, this World Cup, we're gonna. Uh, it's gonna be great. I think with the people we hear say it's it's gonna be enter the entertainment value will be high. But uh, where who does it benefit? And I, I love the Pete's point about the 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 big star teams. Maybe these close quarters and being around you run too much and not getting on a plane and escaping might get to them. But who knows? I'm no psychiatrist. Yeah. So I think UEFA might finally lose the throne right here or finally lose a world cup after it, a while it would uh, be so good for the game man if there was like a mixed but i just yeah 
I think there, for many reasons, right? I think for the first time, we actually come into a World Cup where Brazil and Argentina, on paper, not just the way they're playing, but on paper, they're the top teams alongside France. And then you have Mbappe uh, on France. That's a problem, right? Ever since 2018, the guy's ego has been inflating faster than the US dollar at this point. It just keeps going up, up, up. Well, actually, down in value. Uh, the guy's ego is just growing. Uh, they also don't have the Pogba Kante midfield. They're out. They were key. Matuidi was key in 2018. He's not there. Uh, they just lost in Kunku, I believe, yesterday. That's another big blow. So it's a French side that, on paper, there's no doubt in my mind that they are up there with Brazil, if not even higher in terms of talent. But I don't. I, I think they're going to run into issues throughout the. I don't think the the World Cup curse is going to hit them. And then when you look at the other contenders that Europe has brought along, which I think from World Cup contending status, it's just Comebol and UEFA right now. I don't think any of the Asian teams, Concacaf teams, or African teams can go for the title. I can see one from a different confederation making a deep run. Japan is a team to watch for sure. Senegal deep run being Sadio a semi. If every with a little bit of luck, yep. yes, with uh, like good form and luck, yeah. right? You need <laughs> to be honest in the World Cup, you need luck even to yeah. win it, right? It, it, there's no way around that. You need luck to win it as well. Uh, I think I see with good eyes Uruguay uh, making a deep run to a semifinals. I think when you look into an underdog story, at least there's a few boxes you have to tick, right? Uh, you need a good back line, strong defense. So if you can tick that, you have a chance of being an underdog story. Maybe one or two world-class players that can make a difference up top. Uruguay has that in Fede Valverde. I think uh, Luis Suarez, Cavani, definitely not world-class as they once were, but you know, you give those guys, it's kind of like what we were talking about, Bale, right? You give Suarez one chance, all, the, all of a sudden, he'll pull a goal. Darwin Nunes can be useful, even though people from Liverpool don't seem to like him right now. Uh, Ahascaeta that you know Max very well and uh, I think one of the most underrated players in the World Cup no one talks about him but there was a moment he may not have made the squad right he was on the fringe and then he kind of came he, he came on yep he has the same injury Kaká had in 2010 but he's going to play uh, he'll be fine yep. he was playing for Flamengo but I think Brazil and Argentina sort of benefit from the fact that the World Cup is a bit shorter uh, in terms of preparation, right? It's always been that Europe has succeeded because they improved their development the past few decades. And tactically, they've always been ahead of South America, right? South America has always been more of a free-flowing team, more fluid, uh, less structured play. I think that'll benefit South American nation. Now, I understand that Brazil, Chichi is a very tactical guy. He loves his positional play, sort of like Greg. I think a little bit smarter in terms of soccer, but loves his positional play, very pragmatic at times. But I do see in this Brazilian generation a bit of the lapses of the past ones with a little bit of flair creativity that we haven't seen in a while for Brazil. I think since 05, probably 06, 05, when Ronaldinho's generation was kind of like getting ruined by Zidane again in 2006. So I think that can benefit Brazil. But, but again, this is the problem with this World Cup is like every World Cup, it's knockout rounds. So it's impossible to affirm what will happen. If it was a league, if it was a league, we would probably all be betting, oh, Brazil and France are going to be the top two. They'll hold it. They have depth. Argentina will follow along with Germany. But it's knockout rounds. You get them in a bad day, a player suspended. But I think Brazil, I think the winner of this World Cup, and this could age poorly, will be whoever wins the semifinal between Brazil and Argentina. I think they'll make that deep run. These teams are tough to beat. Whoever wins that one, which is 50-50, by the way, Brazil and Argentina, no one knows where that's going to go, uh, will probably win the World Cup. What a semifinal. I think we're all pulling for that because you get a, a second massive final. But the last time, you yeah. know, when those teams played, the Copa America wasn't great. Hopefully it, it's a little better, but it's hard to Blame imagine. Argentina for it. I know. I know. And, and they the didn't fans, play. no fans there. That was, a, that was a hard game to watch. But Argentina didn't want to play. Yeah. They didn't feel like I did not. Yeah, that was not enjoyable at all. So it worked. It worked, but it goes against yeah. the grain. And that makes Argentina pretty dangerous because they could maybe play it both ways. Adam, it's going to be a weird World Cup, but how weird do we think it gets? Weird's good. Weird's a word with a, a lot of pop on it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I am a little annoyed. I was a little annoyed when I saw that video of the photographer from Denmark having his camera taken away yeah. earlier today. That's, that's just stupid. As someone who's had his camera taken away before or, you know, had people order him to turn off his camera. I hate that kind of shit. Um, so that annoys, that annoys me a lot. Um, 
But, you know, as far as the soccer goes, I, you mentioned Germany, Filippo. What, what do you guys think of Germany's chances? Nobody really, nobody really is thinking of them as a favorite. Realistic contenders, in my opinion. The, they, they got, you look at their roster, it's like very good. They're going to be kind of quietly just doing their German business. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I'm a little worried they, about Nico Schlotterbeck and Niklas Schule at the back. Very like Bayern, very Bayern team. Dortmund. Well, Schlotterbeck had a horrible game on Friday, right? But generally, yeah. he's been pretty good for Dortmund. I just don't think that's a back line that wins a World Cup. As much as I like Germany and they're kind of my second team for this tournament, I worry about that back line. Niklas Schule doesn't look like a footballer. He just doesn't. I don't know if you watch Dortmund. Well, he looks like a football player. He looks American like football. something different, you know? And then also I'm worried about their striking. I don't yeah. think Kai Havertz is is the guy to lead them to a World Cup. But that he's, he's going to start. I mean, he's going to be a guy that gets a lot of yeah. minutes. And no Timo yeah. Werner, so they do have to find a more traditional kind of center forward, so... I yeah. don't know. I don't underestimate Germany. I've I've done. No, that I think they have a chance, but I wouldn't put them above Brazil or Argentina right now. Yeah. Have you no, guys... But, but they have you guys a filled a bracket? Too. Have you guys filled a bracket? Are we waiting? Many okay. times. All right, good. I've done it too, but I want to do a new one. I hate my bracket. <laughs> I hate it. I don't know how I got to this. Do it, man. It's we, a free country. Do I know. Well, one. I had Spain beating Denmark in the final, but I don't like it. I wanted to be Wait, cute. No, no, well, no. The, wow. But the, the reason I did that is because you try to be cute because I say to myself, okay, that matchup, something weird's going to happen. But how do I know? There's going to be one of those matchups, but who's to say it's the one that I picked? So. Max, the best way to do a bracket <laughs> is make the picks based on the teams that you would pick if you had to put money on it. <laughs> so you don't get too cute with it. I right? know, Just I know. It. It's no fun to but, follow my, I want my cute bracket, but we'll see. I'll, I'm going to do one last one. It won't be Adam. Spain, Denmark. <laughs> we took the mic from uh, Adam. It's okay, it's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll, uh, my only thing is I'm, I think Germany, you know, Germany should be watched carefully and, um, I don't know how weird of a World Cup it's going to be. I think for the players, it's just a, it's just, it's, it's just going to be a bunch of soccer games like the World Cup always is, and, and they're, um, they're fine. And you know, our U.S. players are at like the nicest hotel in Doha, <laughs> staying at the Pearl. <laughs> That's not a good thing. You don't want all the you, you want to struggle a bit. You want to be in one of those fan uh, tents, fry <laughs> festival. Open. Yeah, the fire festival, definitely. <laughs> the fire festival. Excuse me. Sock Weston in his room for the duration of the World Cup. Somebody's going to find Weston wandering in the, among the tents early. That's going to be a story in this world. Someone's going to get themselves in some trouble. Some player, and uh, it'll be well reported, I'm sure, and uh, won't be pretty. Uh, I've had you guys on too long, but I just want to get a quick thought uh, about because you guys, I was working at ESPN and you know, I was originally in soccer and then I went to ESPN. I stretched, stretched, stretched it out where I was covering all sports. And then I re-emerged into soccer when I came to LAFC and I missed it. And I wanted to be, this was my passion. And when I came back to it, after not paying as much attention to it for a couple of, well, I did pay much attention, but not seeing what was happening. I saw the scuff podcast and tactical manager and 11 Yanks and covering this sport in new ways and catering to new audiences and bringing in new fans and, and listening to the fans. And I thought it was just, you know, the greatest thing because uh, it, it's a big job for cre- making this sport um, exciting, cool, which I think we don't do enough where it's funny, those kind of things where we present it. And uh, you guys are all a big part of that. And uh, the the Scuff podcast in a short time, I know, Adam, you're telling me it started in 2018, which is amazing to, to, uh, to think about and has got a big following and tactical manager, uh, Big sponsors and with your World Cup uh, and, and 11 Yanks. I mean, you guys are the standard where people go get information. So it's a new day for you guys. I'll start with Adam, but just your thought about this World Cup and building the sport. What would you like to see um, in these from this World Cup to when we hosted 2026 and the way we cover it and what we do to make it uh, everything that we ever dreamt it could be, being one of the big sports, getting that coverage uh, yeah, on many levels, sophisticated coverage and building new fans. Well, I think, like you said earlier, the World Cup is when you mint new fans of soccer. And um, so we, I, the best case scenario, I think, for that is for us to, you know, win with a little bit of style, you know, fingers crossed, a little bit of style against Wales. And then we have, you know, a, a buildup to this Black Friday showdown with England that people are going to pay attention to, especially if they can pull up uh, a couple clips of us scoring some nice goals on Monday. So 
it's not about what we do, you know, it's about what the team does that is going to make the sport more popular in this country. And I think a win over Wales and, you know, regardless of the outcome against England, as long as it's a good game, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, dang, this is fun. And, um, you know, it still will happen. The world cup will draw eyeballs, but you know, if we can just, if we can get that little formula, right. I think it'd make a big difference. Um, I don't know what I can do to me. I mean, our, <laughs> our podcast is like aimed at people who really, really love soccer, you know, and they're not, we're not getting a lot of new fans. Well, I, I would be, I would say, I would correct you on that. I know that people want to be part of what's fun and, and cool and they'll look for some new resources. That's, that's probably true. Yeah. But, I'm just saying it's like very much like a niche sort yeah. of product. You know what I mean? Well, and, I will say Adam, that after, the Kuva disaster. Your guys' podcast got me through that first 2018 year. No, because I was looking for new content. I was like, we got to yeah. figure out what we're doing here. And I would go and I found you guys on Spotify, I think, and I would listen to every episode. And then you did a lot of young guys. You but know, you knew, you were, but you already knew the game, right? I appreciate you saying that. But you already, yeah, you were already a soccer fan, for sure, for sure. But I do, yeah, that's that's a good point in terms of getting new soccer fans. It's it's true that it's nothing to do with us it's really the team gets new soccer fans. And then hopefully at some point we all help them on the journey by providing knowledge and insight and information and passion. Yeah. Door number three, Filippo <laughs> door number four. You got great options. And Filippo, yeah. I will say this. Uh, and I, I think that is, that, that is the right answer, but everyone is being well-equipped to help propel that story forward. But these players with success are, very interesting because of what they do because of this year, because of the fact they're playing with these top clubs. And then you can continue that story in the premier league in the champions league in the Bundesliga, which we couldn't do en masse for so much, but I guess looking at these players, I mean, what is, what can they, what heights can they reach as a group individually to help get this sport to another level where it can, maybe it's like the NBA. Cause that's the, I guess the one thing that we always compare it to where the, the NBA, you see these players and people want to emulate them. And that's the coolest thing. Cause you see Christian Pulisic or Gio Reyna, that this is the group that could kind of maybe make a similar impact to the players from that sport. Uh, personally, I don't know if there's much the players or even ourselves can do right now. I, I think, Pete is probably going to listen to this and say, oh, he already told me this 200. I already told this to Pete so many times. I think we already have a good enough team that if you have fans, they'll watch. We already have that, right? We're in the World Cup. We're back. And I don't think we're going to miss a World Cup ever again in my life, I hope, uh, especially with the expansion. What the United States needs right now is not more good players. We need one guy that is the guy, like a Messi, a name. Okay, maybe not a Messi level. That's maybe the best player of all time or one of them. But maybe a guy like Neymar, right? Like a pop star-like player that causes trouble and is dropping players on the floor just with his dribble and flair. A player that the country sees as a winner and that casuals or other sports fans are like, I got to go watch that guy. I mean, I don't even like soccer, but I want to watch that guy that's just going to be dropping goals in the Premier League every week. I think that's the next step for U.S. soccer. It's getting a guy that becomes our GOAT, right? Uh, no offense to the guys we've had. that They were amazing. Clint Dempsey, Lyndon Donovan, Tim Howard, and even now Christian Pulisic. Me and Pete have even talked about could Gio Reyna maybe become that, right, if he hits his ceiling. And, and maybe, maybe he can. But I just think we need a guy that actually spices things up with goals. I don't think Gio Reyna will be the guy that scores goals every game, right? He can be more of like a Kevin De Bruyne guy or maybe – how Kakao was, right? And, and and Max, you follow South American soccer. As good as Kakao was, he doesn't have the charm that Ronaldinho did, Neymar uh, has even, right? Ronaldo. So I think what we're missing U.S. soccer to grow is that Americans like winners, right? And I'm not calling our players right now not winners. They're winners, but they want to look at it and they want the the actual LeBron James of soccer to be American. If we can eventually get the actual LeBron James of soccer to be American, I think that will draw football fans, basketball fans that just want to watch that guy. And that will bring them to the sport. People need to care. That's the thing. Fans watch and care. If you, so Pete lived abroad, Max, you, you didn't live abroad. Did you? I did. I was going to bring it up to Pete. I had us, I mean, I, when I was five till 12, our family was in Australia and we lived in Colombia a little bit. So I, Colombia, and that's part of my, the appeal very briefly in Colombia and a little bit in Mexico, like six months. Because, because Pete lived in England too. I lived 15 years in Brazil and 
the reason fans care so much, it's like this. My club's going to play that club this weekend. If we lose, what am I going to say in school? Everyone's going to come after me. You need to have reasons to care. Bantering needs to happen uh, in a healthy way, of course. Don't take it too far like some countries do, including South America as a whole, the continent. But the next step is probably to go towards that. Having a player that is the LeBron James of soccer that's dropped goals every weekend in a top league seen as one of the best players in the world and that will draw in casuals and then from there they'll start following along and i think overall grow the the rivalry with canada i think that's very mm -hmm. important grow the rivalry with mexico more than it is make fans care if fans don't care it's not going to grow that's what matters and i think there's only so much us as content creators can do besides tell stories and join the banter it's more about what the players do uh it doesn't matter what I do, you do, Adam does, Pete does. If we don't qualify to World Cups and we don't have good players, who the heck's going to listen to us? No one cares. So the next step that is for me is um, get our our GOAT, like an actual player that the country cares to watch and and that the world respects, right? I feel like most of our players are not respected. The thing that is, is how good they are. The thing is that like a, a Neymar or Mbappe level American player, how I mean, how realistic is that? It has to right now before not, before, or, before uh, your hair before your hair right now it's not yeah and I love right the Holland the Holland analogy too because people would say Erling if that guy was in the United States with his size and athletic ability this is NFL free yeah. safety and there's no well, way he makes it I don't think it's possible I, I worked with youth development in the United States right and I, I still have a company that works with kids it's not really an academy but I've worked with Orlando City and I've played academy soccer I, uh, when I was younger, when I was 16, 17 in New York. It's, it, there, there's nothing like this in the United States. We don't have the youth setup to develop a player in that sense yet. But our youth setup is better now than it was five years ago. And I think it'll be better in five years than it is now. And then in 10 years, it'll be better than five years. So are we there? Like the generation being developed right now, can we get a player like that, Adam? I, I think we can't yet. But if you ask me that in five years, is maybe now the setup ready? Maybe, or maybe 10 years. It's all about when we hit our ceiling uh, with how Major League Soccer and USL are developing. I don't think we've hit our ceiling, so we're still getting there. But I agree with you. Right now, we don't have the setup to develop a player like that unless it's a dual net developed somewhere else. But then we also have high risk of not getting him, right? if he's that good, but it's not realistic right now, but I think that's the best, the big step that U.S. soccer needs. Not realistic, but there are some nice ingredients in place and uh, we shall see where it goes. And this is obviously a conversation that could go on uh, a lot longer. So much uh, meat on that bone, but gentlemen, I had a wonderful time to spend with you. Uh, excited for all of you guys as you set sail into the World Cup. Adam Bells of the Scuff, Pod, Scuff Podcast. Let's try that again. Adam Bells Cheers, of the Scuff Max. Podcast. Uh, Filippo Silva, Tactical Manager. Pete Douthit of 11 Yanks. Check them all out and enjoy the World Cup because you're not going to have it for another four years. That's all I can say. I'll be back here with a very brief comment and stoppage time and get you ready for the big show piece. An impromptu stoppage time, really not much more to add to all of this. There's so much to absorb and so many topics to talk about. I mean, we could sit here and talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. We could talk about the Mexico game or Argentina playing or the supporters. It's, it's endless and it's going to be very difficult to consume everything. So that's why I'm here. So the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Check it out every day here where all podcasts are available and also on YouTube under my name, Max Pretos. This is something I've been looking to do and uh, this is the moment. So I appreciate all those who have supported me. I've gotten some wonderful notes out there. I know a lot of people are looking forward to episode 100. I hope you enjoyed it. And these are, they are, these are good dudes and we're all in it for the same cause and we're all rooting for the same team. So... And that's why I just wanted my parting shot here, to enjoy it. I mean, these are special, special moments when we talk about the World Cup and the fact that we didn't have it four years ago. It hits hard that we didn't have these, these moments to look forward to. And we're sitting here talking, oh, we can't wait for the Wales game. Oh, then we have the England game. Oh, then we have the Iran game. And maybe we'll have another game and another game. It's uh, fantastic to uh, to 
be able to enjoy that. It is the greatest sporting event, and it's not even close. There was a while back where we would debate which was better, and it's, you know, there's nothing. Olympics, Super Bowl, just nothing like this. Uh, so the fact that we didn't have it four years ago, and we're, um, listen, I know people are tuning in from everywhere, and I know there's a USA pod, but this is a global pod. We can talk about anything, and we want to talk about anything, and the, the part of the World Cup Daily, which is so interesting, we will talk about the games. It's not a USA pod. We'll focus on that a lot, and certainly on the CONCACAF teams, but we are going to look at the biggest stories so that you can listen to it. This will be a gambling tool. I don't gamble, but this will be a gambling tool for those who want to get a little bit more educated in a quick, swift stroke with a familiar voice, and it will also be a place where you can show off at work. Go ahead. Did you see that uh, that France-Tunisia game? Incredible. I mean, those Tunisians, those those Eagles of Carthage, sure uh, defended bravely, you know, whatever it is, if you want those conversations. Maybe you don't. But certainly to tune in and look, just to enjoy it. The fact that it's every four years is special. I truly believe that they're going to, the way FIFA's going, this is going to be a once every two year event before too long. I think that day is coming. Uh, and I, I would welcome it because this two, four years is a long time, but it's four years now. So soak it in. And listen, the last time we watched a USA game was the Chris Wondolowski miss that 2014 game against Belgium, the Tim Howard game. That's a long time ago. And we remember those games. And we remember 2010. And we remember 2006 and 02 and 1998 and 1994. That's in total. I've That's 15, 16 games, right? A little bit more than that. 2022 games. And that takes us back almost 20 years, 25 years. No, it's, it's almost 30 years, pardon me, if you're going back to 1994. That's uh, this is precious. These games. So whoever you're pulling for, you know, stop what you're doing. Talk to your bosses and and take this all in for what it's worth, because it's a very special sporting event. It's the best sporting event we have. The Soccer OG podcast, rate, review, download, subscribe. Check out the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, which will take the place of the Soccer OG for now, and we'll get back to some normalcy. Hopefully, we all get some time off as well. For one last time, before we hit the World Cup, Placido Domingo!